Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, well, good morning once again. Here we are in week four or five of Life on Mission. And if uh, some of you remember the first week, I uh, talked to you about uh, connecting. And when it comes to connecting, it's all about creating a relationship with someone that we normally wouldn't have a relationship with. And, and Jesus gave us this example, and he created a relationship with this guy named Matthew. And Matthew was a, a Jew, but he was a Jew that was a tax collector, and none of the other Jews liked him because he had sold them out to the Roman Empire. And, but yet Jesus saw him and called him to be one of his disciples. The next week I talked to you about the concept of serve. And when it comes to serve, this is about opening the door of your home, maybe uh, having someone in the backyard if you think about it that way. And um, in, in this case, we saw a guy that Jesus called a good Samaritan. And the only place that you, well, he, Jesus didn't call him a good Samaritan. We have in our uh, Western society and culture uh, termed him good Samaritan because nobody back then called Samaritans good. Matter of fact, they just had bad things to say about them. And then last week, I shared with you uh, the concept of share and how that we need to be able to tell our story. And nobody can tell our story like us. I gave you the example of a, a Philip the evangelist who had uh, the angel told him, go this direction. He went that direction. He encountered an Ethiopian eunuch and he saw him reading God's word. He asked him what he was reading and um, ended up seeing this man come to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And while they're going down the road, he sees water. He says, hey, there's water. What's keeping me from being baptized? I'm telling you, preachers like to hear that. All right. And so uh, they stopped the, the chariot and got out and got baptized. Well, this week, the final week, I want to share with you the concept of grow and how that if we're going to be life on mission, we have to grow. And, and what that means is if connect is um, introducing and creating a relationship and um, bringing them into your backyard, if, if serve is where you bring them inside the house and you give them a meal, you um, may allow them to, to use your facilities or provide something else if they're a neighbor, a Band-Aid or sugar or whatever it is that they're out of. Share is when we tell our story. Share is when we sit at the kitchen table. You know, the kitchen table is different than the dining room table, right? Kitchen table is a little more intimate. It's where you have conversation. This is what we do here in Life Group. Well, grow is all about taking them into the kitchen and teaching them how to cook, how to make their own meal, how to prepare food. That's what we need to do is if we are going to be life on mission. And here's what you'll find out is if as we grow to be like Jesus, they're going to want to know what it is that we got. If we don't live a life that's like Jesus, they probably don't want to have anything to do with us. I want to share that with you a little bit today. John chapter 15 and verse 5 reads this way. John 15 and verse 5. These are Jesus' words. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Now, when we hear this, and we hear this concept of bearing fruit, it's easy for us as Christ followers to ask the question, well, what's fruit? What is he talking about here? Well, if we look, we, we know that the, the Bible tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. So, so that's one example of fruit. But then there's a second component to that, and that is seed producing fruit. Now, I don't know about you all, but have you ever gone and bought grapes that didn't have seeds in them? Matter of fact, some of you probably want to buy grapes that don't have seeds in them. Or watermelon. I mean, I don't know when it happened, but I, I used to eat watermelon, and I spent half the time spitting seeds out. And now, they've perfected the art of seedless watermelons. And as much as I like seedless grapes, and as much as I love seedless watermelons, we, the church, have learned how to create seedless fruit. We've created Christians who don't create other Christians. I don't care how hard you try, you can buy all the seedless watermelons you want, but you're not going to be a successful watermelon farmer. And in the church, we've got to be careful that we don't look for the seedless fruit because it's more comfortable, because it's easier, and instead be willing to take the seeds out because there's another watermelon that's coming. There's another vine that can be produced. Well, if I keep reading, I think about 1 Peter in chapter 2, and, and there's two verses here I want to read to you. And the first one is verse 11. It says, Dear friends, I love the way Peter is talking. It says, Dear friends, he's sitting at the kitchen table as he writes this. He said, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, because the people that he's talking to had um, been kicked out of Jerusalem, their hometown. And they had, they had to disperse. They were scattered. Philip was one of those guys that got scattered. And everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. And so here Peter is preaching the gospel. And now he's saying these words, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, I know it, you're not in Jerusalem. You're in a foreign country. I urge you to abstain from sinful desires. Now, do you remember going, in, going into somebody's home for the first time and how you behave differently than you do now that, like, they're like family? I mean, when you go in there for the first time, like, you're nervous about sitting down on the couch. And a couple years later, like, it's, that refrigerator's yours and everything in it. Um, something's sitting on the, uh, the stove, like, you sample it. This is the way that um, Peter wants them to realize is you're in a new country. You don't know everybody. You're nervous. But I, I encourage you, I'm telling you, my friends, abstain from sinful desires. Now, um, I don't know if you all know about this guy named Peter. But Peter had this condition called foot and mouth disease. Peter had this innate ability. Matter of fact, I thank God for Peter. Because it helps me feel better about my walk with Christ. But Peter was the one to promise the world and never deliver. Peter was the one to say one thing and do another. Peter was the one who embarrassed himself many times. That's the guy who's telling you, dear friends, abstain from sinful desires. You know, unconfessed sin is the number one reason 
why Christ followers do not share their faith. Because we know that they see us. They hear us yelling at our kids and our spouse. They watch the way we drive. And I, and I would encourage you, if you drive like me, don't, you know, have a bumper sticker that says honk if you love Jesus. Because you might be confused when they're honking. Matter of fact, I would bet that many of us have, last night, there's probably people in this room that got drunk. Probably this morning, there are folks that, are, that can hear me that are watching online that have cussed somebody out. Here's what Peter says. He says, friends, I challenge you. I urge you. Stay away from that. Don't do that. Not so much because what it does to your soul, but because of what it's going to keep somebody else from doing. Because the reality is this, that those that are far from Christ, if they see us do those behaviors, they, well, what am, what am I, why do I do this? Why am I getting up to go to church? Why am I going to give up all of the things that make life fun for me? There is, if all I'm going to do is act the same way, and, and probably the number one reason that people give for not coming to church is because the church is filled with hypocrites. I, unfortunately, they're not here to hear this, but what I would tell them is, so will hell. Hell will be filled with hypocrites. But let me give you the good news. So will heaven. Heaven's going to have a lot of hypocrites up there. Thank goodness. One day, it's going to have one more. says abstain from those sinful desires because it wars against your soul let's see what verse 12 says in first peter chapter 2 he says live such good lives among the pagans do you know what a pagan is a pagan is somebody who worships another god he says live such good lives among the people who worship another god that though they accuse you of doing wrong, your neighbor is going to see how good you have been and the deeds that you've done, and they will glorify, listen to this, glorify God on the day that he visits us. You know what that means? That if they're glorifying God on the day that he visits us, it means they got saved. Peter's saying, give up the sin, give up the things that you think you got to do, so that one day your neighbor, so that one day your son or your daughter, so that one day your friend and your coworkers can glorify God on the day that he returns. That's why we live differently. I asked you this question, and I said, if we want to be effective, Peter Drucker shared this and. And he said, uh, two questions to ask. Number one is, what business are we in? And number two, more importantly, how's business? I, I want to tell you, church, how's business when it comes to being a witness? I, I think Crossroads Church is doing pretty good. 
uh, I celebrate. I mean, I, I love new series. I love going through them. I look at the end of a series with anxiety because I know that it's going to stop. It's like a good book. You know, I mean, I, I savor those last couple of chapters. When I first get into a book, man, I'm devouring it. I look for time. I make time. But at the end, I like, I savor it, and I, and I make time to wait until I read a little bit more because I know the story's coming to an end. And I know the story of life on mission in this five-week series is coming to an end this week. But I want you to know as your pastor, I'm proud of you because I have seen you being a witness. You know how I know that you're a witness? Because you're bringing people to church. Not only are you bringing people to church, but you're bringing people who bring people to church. That's what Jesus meant when he said, be a witness. Now, we confuse sometimes witnessing with being a witness. We confuse telling people about Jesus with living like we know about Jesus. We want to be fruit that bears fruit. You know, Carrie and I, we are in a season of life called the empty nest. Oh, this is a good season. Folks that, that are married with toddlers, it's called the promised land. And the promised land gets sweeter when you have grandchildren that you can pack up and send home. Oh, grandparents love those kids. But at 9 o'clock at night, it starts waning. So right now, our nest is empty, but it'll be filled on holidays. But it's, it's not going to be filled because we're fruitful anymore, because we're not. It's going to be filled because we got fruit that's being fruitful. We got fruit that's multiplying. And in this season of life, it's incredible. And I'm here to tell you that many of you are in the same empty nest season of your spiritual life. And you've got fruit out there, and you're waiting for that fruit to have fruit. You're waiting for that fruit to multiply. That's how John 15, 5 says we can bear much fruit. It's not that one piece of fruit. It's the seeds inside it that create 5, 10, 100. That's fruit that bears fruit. Well, you probably figured it out by now that today's Palm Sunday, right? Newsflash. It's here. We are in what the, if you look at a church calendar, it's called Holy Week. Holy Week starts off with Palm Sunday. This is where Jesus entered Jerusalem victoriously. This is what was prophesied in Isaiah. It was an incredible time. His disciples were excited. All of the population that had seen him heal were excited. They saw the Messiah coming in to take over and to create his kingdom. They said, Hosanna, save us now, right now, from this Roman imperialism. These Romans that tell us what to do, that steal our money, that take our food. That's what they wanted. That's not what they got. Instead, they got the Savior of not just Jerusalem and the, the people of Israel. They got the Savior of the world. You may not know what went on the rest of that week, but let me tell you, on Monday, have you ever heard of the story where Jesus went into the temple and he threw over and he took a whip and he was like, yeah, he, he, he asked him, can you smell what the rock is cooking? And then, whoosh. 
You didn't know Jesus knew about the rock, did you? He does. On Tuesday, Jesus preached one of the most scathing indictments to the religious leaders of his time. Matter of fact, it, this is the passage that everybody reads to you when they don't want to go to church. They, they, they call you the things that Jesus called the Pharisees. It's not good things. Wednesday was silent. And then on Thursday, we call it Holy Thursday. This is where Jesus met his disciples up in the upper room and shared the Last Supper with them. Because on Friday, he was going to be crucified. He was going to hang on that old rugged cross. He was going to give his life, the life that he had lived for 33 years, a perfect life that none of us can do. And he would be the sacrifice for Ronnie Tabor. He would be the sacrifice for you if you'll accept the gift. And then Saturday was what we call Silent Saturday. Saturday was a time of mourning for his disciples, confusion for his followers. Wait. A week ago, he came in triumphant. We were ready to take over. We were tired of being told what to do and when to do it. Our leader, our commander, our warrior was here. And now he was in a tomb. And they were confused. They give up their faith. They wondered if those last three years were real. Oh, well. Sunday came. Sunday came. And when Mary showed up at the tomb, the stones rolled away. And an angel tells her, he's not here. Folks, because of that Easter Sunday, 2,000 years ago, we get together on every Sunday to celebrate a risen king, the savior of the world, the son of God who became a man. That's why we're here. We're not here so that we don't get drunk on Saturday night. We're not here so that we don't cuss somebody out on Sunday morning. We're not here for any of those things. We abstain from those things so that our life would be different and people would see that there is a reason to call out. There's a reason to have hope. There's a reason to do it God's way. And the reality is this, that most of them will never read a Bible because of the way that we behave. But it's when we act and live Christ-like that people get concerned about what this, there, there must be something in here worth reading. But we got to be different. And so today I want to share with you what Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room, and that was the Last Supper. There are two different sacraments that we celebrate in the church, and, and sacrament really means special. And there's two things. One is communion. One is that we're about to take communion in just a few minutes. If you look in the seat in front of you, there's this little cup, and this cup has been known to make Christians cuss. So I don't want you to do that, but I want you to find one of these cups if you want to take communion with us this morning. Don't open anything up yet. Don't open anything up yet. 
I just want to make sure you got one. Now, there's a secret to this, folks. Now, I can do it with a microphone. All right, you got two hands. So, so watch this. There's a little tab there, and you just flick it. Flick it. And then you see a little film. Don't get ahead of me. You see a little piece of film that separates, and then you can grab that film. But watch this. When you grab the film, put your thumb on the bottom tab. Because otherwise, you're just going to open up the juice and, instead of a piece of bread. And I want you to pull that piece of bread out. And just hold it up. Can I see? Hold that piece of bread up and look at it. And I want to read a scripture to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And in verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed took bread. That's what this is. This is just a little wafer. It's a little piece of bread. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to give you caution. You go ahead and put your bread down. I want to give you a word of caution because later on in 1 Corinthians, he tells us that before we do this, we need to examine ourselves. And what I would ask you to do is I want you to examine yourself in two ways. One is, how have you been doing when it comes to life on mission? Have you been a witness? Good or bad? Have you been a witness? And is there any sin that needs to be confessed? If you look back up here, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four, 24, he says this. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup. And after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant. Let me explain what the covenant means. See, the covenant is different than a contract. In a contract, there's two parties, and they agree that I'm going to do this, and you're going to do that. But in a covenant, it's one way. One person makes the covenant that no matter what, they'll be true to their word. And Jesus told his disciples, and he told his disciples to tell their disciples that this cup is the new covenant in my blood. See, they didn't understand that, that this cup represented his blood that was about to be shed on that old rugged cross. This cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ that washes over every person who accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior. And it allows them to experience grace. And he said, do this as you drink it. Remember me.
Now watch this. Matthew 28, 19. A little over a month later, Jesus says these words, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I don't know if you look at your note taker, but on April 18th, I put it, I, I'm sharing with you what's going to happen. On April 18th, we are going to baptize more people in this church than I believe that we've ever baptized in one Sunday. And so here's what I would tell you. If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and you've never followed in believer's baptism, that's the second sacrament. You need to pull out one of those comment cards and fill out your information and check on their baptism. And I'll reach out to you and I'll give you all the information that you need. And so everybody that is wanting to take that believer step of baptism on April 18th, you need to fill out one of those cards and, and just drop that in the plate on your way out and then I'll reach out to you. Another thing that we will be doing is there are some people who have been saved and they did get baptized, but they got off track and they, they lived a life for many years that, that was embarrassing. It was worse than a hypocrite. And yet they find themselves in a season where now they are living and serving God. And they want everybody to know this. And so they, as a, a symbol of their rededication, are going to also be a part of that baptism. If that's you, I want you to fill out one of those cards and put on their baptism and put rededicate. And I'll reach out to you as well and share with you about that. It's going to be an incredible day. See, this is what Life on Mission is about. This is why I know we're doing good as a church when it comes to being a witness. Because in one Sunday, we'll baptize, I believe, as many people as we baptized in the last 12 months. Why? Because you're being a witness. Amen. Watch this next video. He turned everything upside down to make it right side up. Forgive seven times? Try 70 times seven, he said. Just be nice? No. Give it all over, whatever is asked of you. Reach over the tracks. Yeah, go to that part of town. <laughs> Cling to the eternal and shake off the chains of this earth. Sin messed everything up, the whole world, but he made it right. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy and honored is your name. Your kingdom, it's come. I'm pledging my life to bring it closer and closer, to show the power of your divine love, to declare deliverance from death and sin. To all people, to each race in every language. Making disciples of all nations, I'll own my responsibility. Go all in and make it real in my corner of the world. The authority Jesus has already been given. The kingdom that will come on earth as it is in heaven. An everlasting dominion that will never pass. Because he beat death. Coming as the king of the Jews and finishing it all as the king of the world. His throne and authority are sovereign. You heard right. Forgiveness without boundaries. Hope in all circumstances. And a peace that passes understanding. Because death is conquered, eternal life is established. That's why we keep going. Why I keep telling. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The root. The offspring. The bright morning star. 
baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. From street to street. Nation to nation. He is the King. Power and glory belong to Him. His kingdom will have no end. There's room for you and room for me. Room for everyone who calls on the name of the King. And His name is Jesus, the name above all names. The first and last. The one and only. And He loves you. And He loves you. He loves you. And He loves you. And that is what I've been wanting to tell you. You see, it's not that hard to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He even loves y'all. Would y'all stand to your feet and let me pray a blessing over you before we go? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you and we say, Hosanna, save us now. And God, we celebrate your sons dying on a cross. God, I pray that you would bless all those that are within the sound of my voice. Pray that you would bless their families, that you would give them safety as they travel today. God, I pray that you would allow us to continue to be on mission, to be a witness to share our story, and to tell people that Jesus loves them. God, I pray that you would just allow those hearts to be touched, to give us boldness this week as we have one more chance to invite somebody to Easter Sunday. Give us courage, Lord. Pray that your Holy Spirit would just get on everybody and tell us that's the one. Ask them, tell them, share with them. God, we love you, we praise you, and we want to come back a week from today celebrating the fact that you, God, raised Jesus Christ from the dead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.